Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got another wonderful show in store for you with an amazing author and teacher who I'll bring on in a few moments. But first, of course, we have our quote of the day from the universe and from Abraham to kick us off. So let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. First, from the universe. Actually, dreams come from a future dimension where they already exist, and the dreamers of such dreams have future selves who now live there and are oh so anxious to show you what is truly possible. Sound of crackling, rolling, happy thunder on a clear and sunny day. The universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe, having a little fun with us today, as always, but also uh, reminding us that, you know, when we have some dream for ourselves, when we can envision uh, a future for ourselves, it's actually something that already exists. And this is something I know a number of spiritual teachers have talked about as a way of sort of bringing into reality and bringing into the present moment uh, what it is that we desire, what it is that we want to create. And that is the idea of sort of channeling your future self, reaching forward in time, and just through our imagination, connecting with who we are, and what are we going to be like in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And again, it's an exercise of imagination. Some people will call it spiritual or interdimensional or however. It doesn't matter because it actually helps us. It actually does serve us. So if we tune into... And, and focus on what are we going to be like in five or ten years? What are we going to be doing? Who are we going to be as a person? And then take that 
energy, take that imagination and start activating it and start coming from that place today, it actually serves us and will help us to move forward in our lives because we don't have to wait five or 10 years. If we can imagine it, if we can picture it, if we can visualize it, we can use it. And it doesn't matter if we get it exactly right. It doesn't matter if this, this vision we have of ourselves in the future is how we're going to be in the future. And more than likely, it's not, especially if we try bringing that into the present moment. It's going to change us and affect us, and we're actually going to be different and further along in the future. So it's a really great tool. And again, I say it all the time. Don't believe a word I say. Just give it a shot. Try it for yourself. I don't mind if you're skeptical, but you can be skeptical and open-minded at the same time. So when you attempt this, it's okay to say, well, you know, I don't know if this really is going to work or not. I have to really see it. Fine. You can come from a place of curiosity as opposed to this is never going to work. Uh, because the thing is, if we bring that energy into this exercise of this is never going to work, you're going to be absolutely right. And I'm not saying you have to believe it's going to work. I'm just saying be open to having life surprise you. Let's just start from a place of, I don't know if this is going to work or not. This is probably completely crazy, but let's just do it and see what happens. Right? Just that little bit of opening, just that little bit of, I don't know, but I'm willing to give it a try. And if it doesn't work, if, no, if nothing's different, great, wonderful, fine. You've proven me wrong. Um, but if you're truly open and you just give it a little bit of a try, you never know. You might be surprised. And hey, if it works, if it helps, use it. That, that's always been my motto. It, it, it doesn't matter how crazy or far out it is. Just try it and see if it works. And if it does, great. You don't have to know why it works. You don't have to analyze it to death. Just use it. It's a wonderful tool, and I hope you'll consider using it. Wonderful. Okay, ooh, we got a bunch of people on the Facebook Live. Let me just give a quick shout-out. So we have Sarah. Oh, wonderful to see you, Sarah. William, thanks for joining us. Uh, William is definitely one of my loyal, loyal fans. Cole, great to see you again. Hope you and Todd doing well out there in Texas. Uh, Erica, Pat, across the pond in England. Pat, wonderful to see you on the Facebook Live. All right, let's get to our second quote from Abraham. All right, let's see what Abraham has to say today. What anyone else has or does not have has nothing to do with you. The only thing that affects your experience is the way you utilize the non-physical energy with your thought. We're just talking about that. Your abundance or lack of it in your experience has nothing to do with what anyone else is doing or having. It has only to do with your perspective. It has only to do with your offering of thought. If you want your fortunes to shift, you have to begin telling a different story. Abraham. Ooh, I like this quote. Very much in alignment with the first quote. Actually, probably very much in alignment with our guest today. 
But what Abraham is saying here is what anybody else thinks, says, or does has absolutely nothing to do with your experience. Now, it may have a little bit to do with your experience of them, but your experience of them has nothing to do with what you're manifesting in life, has nothing to do with how much you're earning, how many followers you have, you know, how many friends you have, nothing else. What is at the heart and root of what we experience and what we have is our own vibration, our own energy, our own attitude, our own thought system. It's the perspective with which we bring to our life. And if we're looking for more abundance, if we bring a more abundant perspective to our life, we will experience more abundance. If we want more freedom, if we want more love, more joy, more happiness in our life, it's about bringing more of that feeling into our life and it will attract more of that. You know, it, 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 I, I always used to explain the law of attraction this way. It's like you have two tuning forks and, and if they have the same, if they're tuned to the same frequency and you tap one tuning fork and it starts to vibrate, as you bring the other tuning fork closer to it, the second tuning fork, which you did not tap, will start to vibrate at the same rate as the first one. And you'll hear both tuning forks vibrating, giving that hum. And that's called resonance. That's when two tuning forks resonate with each other. The same thing that's true with that tuning forks, with sound waves, is true in our own lives. Again, I'm going to say it again. Don't believe a word I say. Be as skeptical as you want. Just be open to give it a try. And I usually describe it like this. If we like to be around more fun, energetic, lively people, how do we attract more people like that into our lives? By us being more fun, lively, and energetic. Because by us being more fun, lively, and energetic, other energetic, fun, and lively people will be naturally attracted to us. Like attracts like. That, that's the law of attraction at its most basic level. So it really doesn't matter what else is going on around you. And in particular, you know, money is such a charged topic and abundance is such a charged topic and people have so many ideas and thoughts around it. But if you look at you know, like, let's just take for an example, the economy, right? Everyone's always like, oh, I can't make a lot of money because the economy's bad. Or, oh, it's easy to make a lot of money because the economy's good. And, and it's total BS because even when the economy is in the toilet, there are people making millions of dollars. There are people becoming wealthy with new ideas, starting from scratch and, and, and building themselves up. And even when the economy is doing great, there are people who are going bankrupt, so it does not have to do with the economy. Yes, there are certain conditions that make things maybe a little more challenging or a little less challenging. And maybe it means we have to be a little more creative uh, than other times in our lives. But it's about ourselves. It's about the perspective which we're bringing to the situation, not the situation itself. Because if it was about the situation itself, then everybody, everybody, I mean every single one, in a particular situation would all have the same results. And is that the case? 
I'm sure you all know somebody or two or three or four or ten people who are in very similar situations and they all have different results. Why do they have different results? They have different results because of the attitude, energy, vibration, frequency that they bring to their situation. There's been tons and tons of studies done on twins who have the almost exact same genetic makeup but who have different experiences in life, who look at life differently, and their lives can turn out completely differently. One becomes a successful businessman, the other one ends up in jail. One becomes a cop, one becomes a crook. You know, there's just a million examples of it. You can Google it for yourself. Um, and, and it's something that if we really just give it an opportunity to apply it, to be just a little bit open-minded to these concepts and these ideas and just try them. Look, they may not all work for you, but just keep what does work and get rid of what doesn't. So what are these quotes all about? These quotes really are about our perspective, our energy. And let us not get so bogged down and tied down to our circumstances, uh, the political environment, the economy, the social environment. It, it does not matter, ultimately. I'm not saying it doesn't have some influence, but I'm saying is that what's much more important is how we show up in a given situation. It's the perspective we bring to it. Do we see things as challenges or opportunities? Do we see it as an opportunity for us to be more creative or do we just see it as a way of like holding us back? Both are true. However we view life, life is so malleable, life is so fluid that however we decide to see things, it will be true for us. It'll be true for us, and it'll be true for nobody else. Let me repeat that. The attitude which we bring to life will be true for us. The perspective we bring will be true for us and nobody else. Now, other people may share that perspective, so it'll be true for them. But it won't be true for them because it's true for us. It'll be true for them because it's true for them and because it's the perspective they're bringing as well. So it does not matter how your friends are doing, how your family is doing, how your coworkers are doing. It only matters how you feel you are doing. And the more we pump into that emotion, that feeling that we're doing great, the more we will do great. All right, two wonderful, amazing quotes. Ooh, William on the Facebook Live says, my book collection is getting bigger because of the awesome guests you always have. <laughs> Thank you, William. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know. I Believe me, my book collection is like going through the roof and I'm, I'm constantly having uh, 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 challenges with my wife. She always wants me to get rid of things and I always want to hold on to them. So anyway, so we're going to take our first break. Oh, and Himelda, welcome to the Facebook Live. We're going to take our first break and when we come back, I'm going to introduce to you our guest who is a rather fascinating uh, individual 
And he is a monk, and you know, monks hold a very dear place in our heart because the, the station was founded by someone who beca- became a Theravadan monk. So you know this is going to be an interesting show. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Thank you for staying with us. And we do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. And I'm so glad you're with me. And it is now my extreme pleasure to welcome to the show Monk Yunru, who has been called the new Alan Watts, born as Arthur Rosenfeld in New York City fellow New York City native, yay. Um, he studied at Yale, Cornell, the University of California, and was ordained a Taoist monk in Guangzhou, China. He's host of the hit national public television show, Longevity Tai Chi. He is author of more than 15 books and countless articles. Monk Yunru began his formal martial arts training in 1980 and has received many awards for his work. He writes, teaches, and speaks in South Florida and around the world. And in his latest book, Mad Monk Manifesto, A Prescription for Evolution, Revolution, and Global Awakening, he weighs in on the great issues of today and how we humans are undermining our existence, not just environmentally, but by creating a toxic focus on self-interest that poisons our politics, lifestyle, health, parenting, technology, human interaction, and much more. Uh, Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, uh, Monk Yang-Ru. So good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so I, I always like to get a little bit more of a background, but I just have to ask you, why, did, why are you the mad monk? <laughs> so I, I use the word mad 
as a double or even triple entendre to express my uh, burbling outrage at so much of what I see in the world, despite my attempts at equanimity, and also um, my humorous craziness, which uh, seems to be uh, in my genes. So it's a combination of uh, being pissed off and uh, being funny, I guess. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So, so I, 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 I really want to know about your, your sort of path to become a monk. But I'm just curious, like you started off at, at Yale and, and, uh, and uh, uh, what did I just say, and, and Cornell and University of California. I mean, these are pretty uh, traditional institutions, but you seem to have taken a very non-traditional path in your life. What were you studying in college and grad school, and, and, and when did that shift kind of occur? So... Three or at least three different questions there. Let me see if I can make a stab at it. Okay. Um, for, for one thing, I think that we are all uh, either born seekers or not. I think there is some kind of seeking gene, some kind of questing urge, which some small percentage of us have. And I think that if we try, like any other attempt to fit a square peg into a round hole, to not quest, uh, because there's no money in questing, or no glory in questing, yeah. or no pretty girls in questing, or <laughs> no corner office in questing, and on and on, um, then, uh, you know, we, we just become unhappy and frustrated, and certainly not self-actualized. Right. Uh, not, not, you know, awakened in, in, in the creative sense that I know you are interested in exploring on your program. Right. So, uh, you know, I guess the first and easiest thing to say is that, you know, I, I was born with that gene, and I began looking uh, for different ways of looking at life mm. very early. My mom was mm. a philosophy major. She had a good library of uh, ah. books of the East and West uh, in terms of philosophy in her, in, among her selections uh, at home. But also... Um, there, there's another big piece of this, which is that uh, my father, who, uh, whose name was Dr. Isidore Rosenfeld, he was on the Fox News uh, as a Sunday house call doctor uh, for many years and was a very famous cardiologist, arguably the most famous cardiologist in the world for some period of time. Oh. Um, he, he led an interesting life. And people who came to him were the people who ran the world when I was a boy. We had a parade of people through our New York City apartment, um, you know, which would have made several good issues of People magazine. Uh, so, you know, I'm talking about kings and princes and captains of industry and Hollywood people and on and on and artists and writers and so on. And what I observed as a young boy looking at all these people was that although they mostly represented what all of us are told we should want yeah. in terms of celebrity, power, influence, money, uh, uh, respect, and so on. Um, actually, most of them were no happier than anybody else. Some of them were decidedly unhappy, frustrated, angry. Some of them threw their wives down the stairs and killed them. Some of them went to jail. Yeah. The division or worse. Yeah, you know, some of them were you know, sort of burbling in their, in their frustrations and unhappiness. And I began to wonder, looking at these people, I saw some sort of cognitive dissonance, some disconnect between what I thought I should be seeing in such people and what I was seeing. 
Right. And and when I when I saw that, I began to wonder what other bills of goods I had been sold about religion, about society, about career, about values, about politics, and and I, and you know that that sort of fed this, this questing urge. So you know the things that you asked about in my schooling were mostly sort of explorations and stabs at. Um, you know, how can I find better answers for that? Right. And so, uh, um, when did you start studying the the, the Taoist uh, end of things? So I can give you I can give you a, a romantic answer and a gritty <laughs> answer. The romantic <laughs> answer is that I started looking at these things when I was a kid, okay. and I had this sense that I have, you know, I, there's something there for me. Mm-hmm. There's something in all that Asian stuff that is different and appealing and promises me something. Right. Um, but, of course, I could never understand anything as scrutable as Lao Tzu or Zhuangzi or uh, Zen parables or anything as a child. Right. So, you know, getting a better handle on that thing took me decades. And, of course, sure. it wasn't until I had been interested in it for some, I don't know, 20 or more years, that I, that I found a master who could guide me through uh, these things. And then okay. um, I combined that, uh, finding a teacher with the physical practices, because mm. in Taoism the idea is that we build an enlightened mind by mm. building a healthy and balanced body. And so unlike some other traditions, including other Asian traditions, right. we're not into mortification of the flesh. Right. This isn't to say that some of these practices I do don't, are not very physically demanding, right. but they're not designed to tear down the body. They're designed right. to build it up so as to create this foundation. Right, right. Yeah, I know from, the, uh, uh, from Giorgio, who's the founder of the network, who became a, a Theravadan monk, uh, he, he's uh, back home in Australia where he's originally from, but he goes to Malaysia and Thailand a lot where Theravada and Buddhism is, is uh, centered, that it's a very aesthetic sect and they really have some very extreme practices like he only eats one meal a day and it has to be before 12 noon and he's not allowed to cook for himself. He can only eat what people offer to him. And uh, uh, for him, I, I know it works because he has such an extreme personality. He needed something extreme like that. Uh, but for most of us, I think that's a little bit too far out there. Well, see, you know, there, I, I can't speak to his extreme personality or, or the extremes in my own personality, which I'm sure uh, <laughs> people who know me and listen to this will be laughing now. Uh, but I, I can say that you know, there is there are two ways to approach um, devotion. There are two ways to approach being a monk. There are two mm. ways to approach um, devoting yourself to these principles in life. Mm-hmm. And one of those ways is to remove yourself from the fray and fracas of everyday life so as better to uh, indulge and engage uh, fully in an immersed life in the teaching. Uh, the other way is to be, you know, so those those folks live in monasteries and, and uh, temples and so on. Uh, then there's another uh, way of doing it, which is, you know, to to be in the world, uh, doing the path of the bodhisattva, I guess is, is the right. Buddhist way of looking at it. We don't have those exact terms in, 
in Dallas practice, but you know, someone who is trying their best to uh, make the contribution in a material, physical, daily way, interacting with others um, out in the world, and at the same time recognizing that the greater challenge to keeping your equilibrium and achieving some kind of higher consciousness or vibration is to do so in an environment which is not especially supportive. Mm. And I think it's a fair statement that, you know, the, the environment in which most of us live now in the modern world is not, is not supportive. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Though, though I have heard it said uh, by a number of different people that now is the time not to be a monk in a cave, but but to be the monk in the middle of a city or an urban area that um, now is the time to really sort of live these principles but not isolate ourselves from the rest of society. Well, that's the way um, my own intuition has, has led, that's the direction my own intuition has led me, and uh, that is clearly the direction that uh, both of my important masters have given me. Hmm. Uh, you know, which is to say, look, there there are folks who, you know, in the Taoist tradition, which is a Chinese tradition, the people who uh, are in, uh, in temples in China now. Now, I, I have to just make one small caveat, which is to say that um, religion in general, whether it's Taoist or Buddhist or Christian or anything else, is being crushed and destroyed by Xi Jinping, the of self-declared new emperor of China. So some of the comments that I make are not uh, au courant in terms of what's happening on a daily basis in China where, where temples right. are being knocked down and lots of fleas. But yes, generally yes. speaking, uh, at least in the past, um, in the past meaning the modern past, the recent past, um, the people who are Taoist monks come from wealthy families because uh, most of them are men, although there certainly are Taoist nuns. But in either case, if you are not contributing to the material life of your family, you know, and, and are having the luxury of being able to go and live and help and be in a monastery for study and practice and devotion, you're doing that because your family doesn't need you. Mm. Right, right. So, uh, you know, I, I think both of as I say, both of my teachers have exhorted me and said, look, uh, you know, you could be here sweeping or cooking, uh, you know, or practicing in the courtyard, uh, praying and all that. Or you could be using uh, your facility with language and your position in the world, in the Western world, to try to, you know, share these ideas. So a book like Mad Monk Manifesto is, you know, is precisely doing that, which is to take it these teachings and the exhortations and direction of my masters and uh, put them into action. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So a perfect uh, time segue uh, because we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to let's, let's dive into the book. What is it about? Why did you write it? And, and all that good stuff. Okay. Thank you. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity. And we'll be right back after these messages. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? 
I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. And if you want to find out you know, what's coming up each week, go to our website, talkradio.nyc, and sign up for our newsletter. It comes out once a week on Tuesdays and lets you know what the topics are for each of the shows during the week. Uh, quick shout out to uh, some more friends on Facebook Live. Uh, Lisa, Survey, Marcella, Anthony, thank you all for joining me. I appreciate it. Okay, uh, Yunro, uh, Mad Monk Manifesto, a prescription for evolution, revolution, and global awakening. What was the, the spark or the seed that, that got you to say, after writing 14 other books, uh, to come out with this book? So first I should tell you that I, I, I heard you mention how your readers' bookshelves are growing, and I love the idea that... <laughs> People are buying and reading books and hope that they will buy and read my book. But having said all that, I have to say that this Mad Monk Manifesto is not for the faint of heart. So many times, many times I utilize humor and story and make um, strong lessons uh, go down like a strawberry milkshake so sweet and fun and delicious that you don't even know that you took medicine. In this case, this is the bitter herb all by itself in hot water. So uh, Mad Monk Manifesto is, uh, is the undiluted straight talk. And, uh, you know, some people uh, don't like that kind of thing and other people like it a lot. So, you know, I have to let the listeners decide for themselves. Right. I, got, I got the motivation for it um, by uh, watching our president uh, in one of his early speeches uh, to Congress. Uh, and, and I found my blood pressure going up uh, listening to that and watching it. And... Um, you know, being very conscious of my own sort of homeostasis in mm. mind and body, response to things, and learning how to adapt and adjust to such inputs. Uh, the first thing I did was get up, uh, leave the television, uh, go to my desk, start writing some thoughts about what I had heard down on the computer. A list of ideas and responses and, and exhortations and so on began to grow and at some certain point in creating that list of things, thoughts and ideas about our world in response to what I heard and also in response to the rise of tyranny around the world that I see yeah. you know, elsewhere and for the climate crisis and many other humanitarian issues and environmental ones, which uh, to me is a very hot topic. 
um, you know, I got something like seven or 8,000 words, and I shared them with my literary agent who said, drop whatever else you're doing right now, drop the novels, put everything aside, and write this for me. Um, you know, this is so needed right now. So that, that's, that's the Genesis story. Gotcha. Right, and um, what's the, what would you say is sort of the, the main key point of the book, the thesis of it? What do you, what do you hope people really... If, if they take away nothing else, what's the one thing you want them to take away from reading this book? It's not all about you. Ah, that's a good lesson. Absolutely. Right. So the slightly, the slightly broader nutshell is that, um, you know, this ancient Taoist tradition has some really remarkable and wonderful, clear and straightforward wisdom, much of which uh, has been validated in you feel like it needs validation, or supported by modern science, quantum physics, medicine, math, uh, you know, many, many other contributions of the recent technical Western past. And, and all of them are, all these lessons from Taoism apply across the board to how we take care of ourselves, how we take care of our loved ones, how we take care of our world. Uh, how we treat each other, uh, how we spend our time, how we, you know, take care of our physical bodies, uh, and and politics and more. Right, right. Um, uh, you talk in the book about the the sixth great extinction. What's that? So, uh, paleontologists, anthropologists, uh, archaeologists, uh, and Climate scientists, all, all all people who look at you know the, the natural history of the Earth in both recent and uh, distant past, have ways of characterizing the cycles and periods of time um, that have been uh, that, that have described uh, Earth's history since it first you know broke off from the sun, right. and you know it's just a hot ball of molten stuff. And, and one of those, each of those periods, um, in paleontologic terms, describes, you know, for example, when there were dinosaurs and what extincted the dinosaurs and so on. Um, uh, when the world first saw flowering plants and, and so on. So there, most of these periods uh, are, go for millions of years, and they have some dominant characteristic. And the, these folks have described the period we're in now as the Anthropocene, meaning sort of the human-centered period because of the vast and, and uh, destructive effect that the human species is having on the planet right now. Mm. And, and so uh, when I talk, the sixth great extinction is not my term. It, it, there's a, a writer who came up with it a few years ago to describe the fact that we are seeing, as we have in the past, uh, five previous times in the history of the Earth, a tremendous loss of biodiversity. Yes. Things are just dying. Species are just you know, being extinguished left and right. Um, and of course, you know, I guess the easiest way to, to describe this is to say that if, if you said, Monk, come to my house, uh, let's have a beer and watch a ball game. And I come to your house and I open the door and I see a place that is fetid with mold and vomit and poisonous chemicals. And I see a roof that is is collapsing and a floor that is buckling and furniture that is broken and a terrible smell and all kinds of dead stuff all over. 
and you smile and say, isn't my house beautiful? My first thought will be, sadly, um, uh, Sam's is, I'm I'm looking at mental illness here. And of course, Mm -hmm. if the situation is reversed and I ask you to come to my place and and you open the door and see the same thing, you'll think, you know, this monk is, 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 is mentally ill, right, if you see something like that. And yet that description is very apt for the way we are treating planet Earth right now. Right, right. And uh, nobody seems really, I don't want to say nobody, but the great majority of us seem not too concerned and not too keen to jump to the diagnosis, right. uh, which we really should be doing. Right. It's such a overwhelming, it's such a, a huge thing that it's almost easier to just block it out than to actually see it for what it is. Uh, yeah, and, and at the same time, you know, um, it's like somebody who is, uh, you know, four foot eight and has no legs and yeah. has the great desire to be an NBA champion. Yeah. Um, you know, you can look and go, uh, no matter how much positive thinking, <laughs> no matter how much training you do, you know, you're, you're up against some real obstacles here. Right. So when you say that it's a gigantic problem, um, you know, you can choose to be the the small, legless, bald, ball-playing dreamer who ignores reality and lives in a, in a, in a world of his or her own fantasy, yeah. or you can just start to get to work. Right. And the getting to work part, right, is... In the case of my, you know, strained analogy is that, you know, part of that getting to work is to accept that, you know, maybe I'm actually a better piano player or right. or guitarist than I am a ball player, or maybe I'm better suited to being an accountant or, or a visual artist or something else. So, you know, one thing we have to recognize is that the way we are behaving now, the way we are living now, is very analogous to a cancer on, on, on the face of the earth. We mm. fit the human race fits the definitions and descriptions of what a cancer does to its host organism very right. well. We're creating right. toxins. We're destroying the physical structure of the right. place. Um, you know, we're out-competing uh, other healthy cells. Right. And uh, we're leading to the eventual demise of our host. And right. so although this is a, a, a troubling and ugly uh, analogy, and some people don't like when I make it, um, you know, this is the kind of straight talk that we have to engage. But the good news is that although you call all this overwhelming, and it certainly is, I agree, at the same time, there are a lot of us who are making this problem. And that means that there are a lot of us who could be doing things to fix it. Right. So when you think of it in theoretical terms, how are we going to save the rhinos or whatever, right. uh, or, or, the, or the, the oceans or the coral reefs and so on, you, you know, it looks gigantic in Brazil cutting down, you know, uh, thousands of acres uh, of of uh, rainforest every minute, um, crazy statistics like that, hundreds or thousands, I forgot what it is, but you know, you get the point. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that if we all change how we live, how we see each other and the planet, in, and we make behavioral changes right now in our everyday lives personally, that each little thing we do, if we are all doing it, is multiplied by many billions right. in its effects. 
Right. We can reverse it. Is it too late to save some things and repair some things on Earth? It is. But it's not too late for the whole place. Right, right. I've heard it said many times that it's not about saving the planet. It's about saving the environment for ourselves, that we're making the environment so toxic that we as the human race won't be able to live in it. And, you know, it's funny because sometimes when I uh, have these discussions with people over, like, climate change, I'm often like, you know what? It doesn't matter if climate change is man-made or not or if it's just a cycle or not. The kinds of things we're talking about doing to combat it are things that are good for us regardless of whether there's climate change or not. Like limiting the amount of CO2 that we pump out in the air is good for the environment and it's good for us regardless of whether it's going to help climate change or not. I happen to think that it will and that it is very man-made, but it's kind of like this whole idea of being ecologically minded and and being more sustainable. It's a good idea regardless of whether you politically conservative or progressive so i like and agree with everything you said but i'd like to take it a step further sure and i'd like to connect your point to a point that i make uh, in mad monk manifesto which okay. is on the surface unrelated to uh, climate crisis but in the end we can connect them very well and clearly okay. so the point that i would like to make is that when you talk about this as being good for us and that you're appealing to our self-interest in order to motivate change in, in behavior. Yeah. I get that that kind of thing works, but I also feel like it sells us short. Yeah. So, you know, there is uh, this Buddhist concept of karma. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have exactly that concept in Taoism, um, but, but I'm sure people listening are familiar with the idea that, you know, you, you want to accrue good karma by... You know, you do something nice for somebody because you think that it will uh, change your experience of the afterlife or that it will come back to you in some way. Right. Uh, some sort of uh, amplification of the golden rule. So, you know, I, I'm going to be really nice to this complete stranger because who knows, you know, maybe there are maybe there are car salesmen and, you know, a month from now i got to go buy a car and what if I run into them and they give me a good deal? You know, it's going right. to be good for me right. if right. I do the right thing. Right. Somehow it's going to be good for me. Right. So when you say it's going to be good for people to do the right thing on the earth, I, I find that that interpretation or that um, setting, I, I find that that sets a low bar. Yeah, I would like yeah. to feel and think better about my fellow man yeah. and that everything has to be done out of self-interest. I, I do get that we seem to live in that kind of culture, but I want and hope for better from all of us. So yeah. I believe in doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, not because it will benefit us somehow. Right, I find right. that, that that twist on karma seems a bit perverse to me. And more than that, it seems a bit sad as if this is, this is how far we've sunken in our entitlement. It's all about regeneration yeah. and our culture that, you know, we have to look around at our beautiful planet. And the only reason we can think of to stop being slobs with our consumption and, and our behavior is that in somehow, you know, if we, if we stop, it's going to be better for us in the end. I say, okay, it's going to be better for us, but it's also going to be better for all sentient beings on the planet. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and thank you for, for, for bringing it to that higher level. I was kind of like 
taking things at like the lowest common denominator, and that's sort of raising things up and trying to uh, and appealing to people's higher nature, which I completely agree with you. So it's time for us to take, believe it or not, our last break of the show. Uh, when we come back, um, let's just talk about what are some uh, simple, basic things that our audience can do to help affect a positive change in the world, okay? You got it. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Our guest this hour is Monk Yun Rao, uh, author of the book Mad Monk Manifesto, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. Quick shout out to my friends on Facebook Live, Anthony, Ken, and Noreen. Noreen, fellow host on talkradio.nyc of Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Um, okay, Monk Young Ru, uh, what can people do, especially when they're feeling overwhelmed and they feel like, you know, that there, there's so much to do and there's so many... Uh, challenges in the world today what do you recommend that uh, people can at least start to do what are some small steps and maybe some big steps that people can do to start to create a more uh, uh, I don't know sustainable appropriate uh, a better environment so the answer, the answer to your question is Mad Monk Manifesto. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wrote the book to, <laughs> to answer that question, and I do it you know, for, for a couple hundred pages there. But gotcha. um, let, let me give you a little bit of t- a taste of it. So, right. uh, so first and foremost, um, you know, there used to be this 
bumper sticker around in the 60s and 70s which said, you know, question authority. Yes. And, and, I, think, and I think now, uh, more than ever, questioning authority is a great idea. And also taking that idea a little bit further and saying, look, question the motivation of people, um, I- including this show and me and, yeah. and, and you, Sam. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a, a blanket thing. Uh, question the motivation that people have um, for trying to get you to see things their way or do what they mm. want you to do. Right. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're cynical and you say, well, okay, this guy's just trying to, you know, he's selling us this stuff because he wants to sell us a book. Well, of course, um, it, it would be great uh, to sell you a book, but honestly, um, the book business is, is not a way to become a wealthy man, and neither yeah. is becoming a Taoist monk. Yeah. Um, you know, the book is just a vehicle to get ideas out there. So, first of all, question what you're told. Question the right. wisdom of things that you maybe take for granted, like, for example, social media right. or the mining of big data. Right. Why, and your loss right. of privacy, um, why do people want your private information? Right. Why do why is privacy disappearing and what are people doing with the information they have about you and why should you agree to give it to them? Right. Why should you agree to have your face scanned as you get on an airplane, which is right. one of the things that happened that began this last week or so. Wow. So asking questions about things that you take for granted um, will lead you to answers which uh, the powers that be, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist because I'm not one. I'm just pointing out the obvious fact that people who are trying to sell us things are doing it so they can sell us things. Right. Um, people who are telling us to obey are doing it because they want us to obey and be controlled. Right. So we can say um, that uh, why we eat the way we eat. Very nuts and bolts thing. If everybody goes vegan to a plant-based diet, which is healthier not only for you, you will yes. live longer, yes. suffer less, spend less on medical care, yes. um, and have a more energetic and full life if you're a vegan, that is, you know, no animal products. Right. You'll also make an enormous difference in the world around you. Right. Uh, what about consumerism? You know, do you really need to buy something uh, that you don't have the money for? Do you need to put yourself in debt to buy the latest, greatest big screen TV or something else. Buying things with, that we don't need with money we don't have runs our society. Yeah. And maybe it's time that we change the yardsticks of what is right for society and what is right for us right. and what a society should be. Right. So asking these kinds of questions about how we live, how we eat, how we treat each other. Where did we get the idea that you know the size of someone's bank account is a direct corollary to their quality as a person or uh, right. you know, makes right. them somebody we want to be. Right. Um, you know, these, these things are all taught to us, and they're taught to us by people who have agendas for us, and most of these things are simply not true. Right. And we accept them uncritically, and so you know, the best answer to your initial question is stop accepting things uncritically. Right, right, yeah. It's, it's really learning to think for ourselves and not just accepting what somebody else says, whether that's they say to us personally or it's written or we're taught it in school or even our parents tell us like let's start thinking for ourselves and maybe we'll come to a different conclusion than what somebody else has said to us 
Thank you. You said that so much more nicely than I did. <laughs> yeah, someone said to me the other day, you should be a politician. You know how to word things nicely. <laughs> yeah, that was very nice. That's right. Think for ourselves is, is, is a good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we, we don't have too much time left. Uh, I'm just curious, uh, n- now that the book is out, w- what kind of reception have you gotten for it? Does it seem to... So I've had quite, I've had quite a bit of media around it, actually, and um, many people emailing me uh, from my website, um, uh, reaching out to me on social media. Facebook uh, kicked me off um, really? some years ago without explanation. Oh, jeez. Uh, and uh, when I asked why did you kick me off, there was only a robot to answer me. Yeah. Um, they said, we don't like your name. I, I sent them my driver's license and my ordination certificate, and I never heard wow. anything back from them. So uh, I am on Twitter. Uh, people are following me on Twitter actively as Monk uh, Yunro, uh, Y-U-N-R-O-U. And uh, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I try not to honestly spend a, a vast amount of time on these things. I do sometimes share some photos of, of Taoist practices and things on Instagram, but um, I, I guess I'm not a heavy-duty social media user. I'm a light user. Right, right. Okay, good, good. And and just quickly, what's next for you? What, what what's coming up? I mean, now that this book is out and you're spreading the ideas, is there something else germinating? So I have actually six new books in the pipeline. Wow. One of them is the reissue of a. Uh, book uh, I wrote a few years ago, but the other five are all new, wow. uh, and some of them are novels of uh, ancient China and philosophy and romance and action, and uh, some of them, uh, the very next one to come out is actually a book called Turtle Planet, which is about oh. uh, me taking meditative journeys in which I meet 18 different turtles who live around the world in different places and circumstances. And these turtles stand in for masters opining uh, about mm. humans and the world uh, and the planet. And I think it's a pretty fun and engaging book, so cool. that'll be out in January. Are, and there's are, some other ones after that. Are, are you familiar with the um, uh, native or indigenous term Turtle Island? I am familiar with ah, it. Ah, yes. okay, yes, because I was going to say it sounds... Uh, uh, almost inspired by the, the fact that we're all uh, living on the back of a giant turtle. So uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, uh, Yunro, for, for being on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on and, and talk about your new book. Thank you very much. If people want to find me, they can just Google Yunro, yes. Y-U-N-R-O-U. The name of the book is Mad, Man- Mad Monk Manifesto. I hope everybody will pick up a copy. Thank you for your help, Sam, in getting the world word out and for the good work you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And, you know, next time you come back up to New York City for a visit, look me up. Yes, sir. Will do. All right. Awesome. Again, the name of his book is Mad Monk Manifesto, a prescription for evolution, revolution, and global awakening. You can find it on Amazon and, and booksellers all over the place. Uh, there's a link in our newsletter, um, and I posted one into the Facebook Live video. So please uh, check it out, um, and uh, I hope you find something that uh, motivates you in that. So thank you all for tuning in. Noreen, uh, appreciate all the kind words on the Facebook Live. Noreen, appreciate you too. Uh, don't forget to tune in tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. He always has so much great ideas 
for nonprofits and for uh, uh, those in the nonprofit world. I appreciate you all. Love you. Mwah. Thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Say goodbye 
apply to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.